0: Here we are. And uh, as I like to call topics when I speak on digestion, the question of digestion. Mm -hmm. It's a big question mark for a lot of people. Digestion is a huge issue. In fact, I think it's the number one cause of pain and discomfort. I mean, there's nothing like having an uncomfortable digestive tract to ruin your whole day. Mm -hmm. Like if you're nauseous or your stomach's bloated and you're in pain. I remember as as a kid growing up, on Saturday nights, we'd have movie nights at boarding school. And somehow on that movie night, and I think it was because on Fridays, we got our tuck money, which was the money that our parents left in like a kitty. Mm. And then the teachers would pay it out to us. I think it was 50 cents. And I would go and buy an entire can of condensed milk, which has got probably a, you know, a kilogram of sugar boiled into the milk. And then I would eat that in one go and feel positively sick and not eat supper and then Saturday morning I'd be really hungry and I'd eat what is ever on the dining room table which normally in boarding school you fill up on a whole lot of bread and bread's not the best food for your digestive tract as we'll learn tonight so I used to get this terrible like bloated stomach with these terrible sharp pains I used to sit there and writhe in pain and say I couldn't even watch the movie I'd be in such cramps it was like the movie night now this was long before television was even available in South Africa and somehow it was always a Saturday night I'd sit there and I'd say to my friend it feels like somebody's sticking a knife into me and twisting it it's a terrible thing when your digestive tract is is in trouble and people have bleeding digestive tracts, there's inflammation they have diarrhea constipation some people go from diarrhea to constipation so we're going to look at some of these issues tonight and what we can do about it and how you can help the people around you because a lot of what we're talking about tonight is you can use to help other people. It may not be for you. I know that you mentioned earlier on that you've got a lot of family members with digestive problems. And I always tell people is the starting place with your digestive tract is start with 100 days to health. Because 100 days to health gives you a very simple approach to eating that makes it your food digest more comfortably. And when your food's digesting more comfortably you find that you don't have the gas and the bloating and the flatulence and all of the stuff that goes with it. You're less likely to have it. And once you're on a healthy diet, you may get gas every now and again because you ate too fast or because you ate too much or you had too many legumes or whatever. But you'll find that healthy gas, number one, doesn't smell. And number two, it's not painful. Mm. You can just pass it quietly or go for a walk if it's not that quiet. But but you won't find that it causes Pain, or there's any smell to it. There's just no smell whatsoever. When you eat badly, it smells. Yes, when you eat, when your diet's bad, and when your diet is, when your digestive tract is not in balance, your your gas can smell really bad, mm. enough to make people leave the room and not talk to you again. <laughs> so I always say, go back to the five steps, and the five steps you'll get in our book, Perfect Health the Natural Way, and also, which is available on Amazon and on Kindle. And also you'll get the five steps, which is on a free program called 100 Days to Health. That's on the number 100 and .com if you're living in the United States. Everywhere else it's .co.za. And on that 100 days, you'll get over 100 recipes, over 100 tips and over 100 um, inspirational quotes that help you to eat properly. And I think it's week eight we deal with the digestive tract specifically. And I do encourage you to read, if you don't have it or you've forgotten about it or you've got the book at home and you haven't read it for a while, is read the chapter on digestion in Perfect Health. Just to recap what I'm talking about tonight. Mm -hmm. So um, we're a little bit more detailed, but here are some basic principles just to get going. Okay, If you're just Mm -hmm. like, oh, crumbs, I need help right now. I can't even listen to this for five minutes. And that's never eat concentrated proteins and starches at the same meal. When we go through the digestive tract I'll tell you exactly why But that's it Number one Never eat concentrated proteins and starches at the same meal So you can eat concentrated proteins like Nuts and seeds and eggs and meat and chicken and fish With vegetables And you can have potatoes and rice And and, and uh, pasta and quinoa Well not so much quinoa Quinoa is not such a concentrated starch But rice and potatoes and um, pasta Typical starchy foods with vegetables, but not with meat and chicken and fish and nuts and seeds. So that's important not to mix those two together. Number two. Also not with nutrients. I will be explaining this as we go along, okay? So number two, avoid dairy products. That's milk, cheese and yogurt. Even though yogurt's got friendly bacteria in it, the protein in the yogurt causes inflammatory response in the digestive tract. And once you've got inflammation, you're going to have pain. And you're going to have bloating or diarrhea or constipation. Something's going to go wrong. Two, a Three is avoid gluten. Gluten is the protein found in wheat, rye, oats and the grain of barley. If you're having barley grass juice or you're having wheat grass juice, there's no gluten in the leaf. There's only gluten in the little kernel that grows out of the ground. So if you're eating the grain, you'll get the gluten and gluten can cause tremendous inflammation in the digestive tract and a lot of pain and discomfort. Number four is eat raw vegetables before all cooked meals, whether it's a carrot or a piece of cucumber or a snap pea or anything raw. Just eat it raw, avocado, yes. And number five, to make sure that your bowels empty very regularly, eat at least one meal every day that consists entirely of fresh fruit. There is nothing like fresh fruit and dried fruit to get your bowels moving. Nothing. It's like the number one thing. Fresh fruit and lots of water will sort out most people's digestive tract within three days. If it's a serious digestive problem and you've got damage to it, we'll look at other ways to deal with it, okay? So there's really nothing like a comfortable digestive system all the time. And there's no need for it not to be comfortable all the time. But Most of us are so incredibly aware of how our stomach's feeling at some time or other. I mean, if I said to you now, how's your liver feeling? You would say to me, why? What? Mm. I don't don't even know where my liver is. Most people don't know where it is. If I said to you, how's your heart feeling right now? You'd say, what? (laughs) Or your kidneys. Are your kidneys feeling okay? Or if I said to you, you know, your spleen. How's your spleen doing? You wouldn't think anything about it. But if I said to you, how's your stomach doing? You'd say, I'm feeling full. I'm feeling hungry. I've got pain. I've got this. I've got that. Everybody's got an opinion or something to say about their digestive tract until you eat properly. If you're eating properly and the right amounts of food, you'll never be aware of your digestive tract. One of our biggest problems is simply eating too much. We eat too much too fast. The poor digestive tract doesn't have teeth, you know. It needs you to eat slowly and carefully. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm right up there when something's delicious. Like, you just want to eat it in a hurry because it's just so delicious. And then you have a second helping and then you... Fine, and then twenty minutes later, you're suddenly so full. And um, it's suggested that we don't eat more than a fistful of food, which is a tiny amount for most mm-hmm. of us. I mean, I can eat five fistfuls of food in, in a plate. Mm-hmm. So, um, get to that now. all right. So, the question of digestion. Let's get going. There. Is um, that a good guideline? A fistful. It's. Your stomach is a, f- a size of your fist closed, okay? Okay. Your stomach is that size. Mm. So if you're eating more, it's going to stretch, and that's what gives you that full feeling. That's when you feel ah oh, full. Mm. But if you eat the fistful amount at a time, and that may be several times a day, you're never going to feel that full feeling. So you, will, you most likely will be more comfortable. Mm. But you know, you can look at a fistful of food, which is lots and lots of leaves, and there's lots of air and water in there. So especially when you're dealing with cooked food, fistful, raw food, you can eat a lot more because there's so much water and so much air in it. It actually, if you were to, if you were to blend it in the blender, it would probably be a quarter cup and it looks like a fistful. So you can actually eat four, four fistfuls of the raw, raw stuff at least. All right, so let's get going. The question of digestion. The first thing we're going to look at is the process of digestion. <coughs> And the whole idea, the whole process of digestion is designed to break your food down into smaller particles so you can absorb the nutrients. Because you can't just go and put a potato in your stomach and hope you're going to digest the nutrients. It's not going to work. You've got to chew it carefully mm-hmm. and turn it into a pulp. So you've got to chew it with your teeth, which is mechanical chewing. Then your saliva is going to mix with it. And in the saliva, there are enzymes that help to digest your food. And that's a chemical process of digestion. So in your mouth, you've got a chemical And a mechanical way of digesting food. It's very important to to chew very carefully. And some people will tell you chew at least 15 times a mouthful. And it would be an interesting thing to try chewing. Most of us chew three times and swallow. Or five times and swallow. By the time we get to ten chews we're like, this is getting so boring. But if you chew 15 times, and I have to consciously remind myself of it. And I mostly forget about this myself. If you chew consciously chew 15 times, you'll feel full. At the right time, it'll take more time to get through your food, but you'll digest your food, you'll never feel bloated, you'll never feel uncomfortable. So the biggest problem we have is the first part of our digestive tract, we don't chew our food properly. Your saliva, in your mouth you secrete an enzyme called Tylen, and Tylen is a digestive enzyme that starts to break down starches. Starches come into your body in long chains of glucose molecules, we call it a polysaccharide. Poly means many and saccharide means sugar. These long chains, think of it as like a strand of beads coming into your body. Now you've got to break it down into monosaccharides. Monosaccharides means it's just one molecule of glucose. So now to do that, the first process of starch digestion happens in your mouth where you secrete this enzyme in your saliva. And so you have to chew. Starches need to be chewed well. Otherwise, you're not going to secrete that enzyme. If you just take something like porridge, if you're eating oats, and that's why I don't like eating sloppy things. Like, if I have to eat oats, for example, I'll eat gluten-free oats in my, in my instance because I'm gluten intolerant, and then I'll put something on it that forces me to chew, like dates, or raisins, or our coconut um, granola um, muesli that we have, our grain-free muesli, I would put that on top because it forces me to chew the oats. Otherwise, it's just the slop and you swallow it. Mm. And it's one of the reasons why babies get such terrible cramps in their tummies is because they don't chew they don't have teeth and then people are trying to give them porridge people have this weird thing that a baby that eats solid cooked food is now very clever so they will not give the baby they'll the babies can eat no solid food at least until six to nine months where they only need the mother's milk mm-hmm. and then after that the best thing to introduce would be fresh soft ripe fruit because fruits are already pre-digested all the Uh, all the sugars are broken down into monosaccharides already there's no digestion required so baby's not chewing so they're not secreting the digestive enzymes so the worst thing we can give them is potatoes or rice for example and most baby cereals in a box are made from rice cereals Mm. so there's no enzyme to digest it and then these babies end up with terrible stomach cramps and they cry all night long and the mother thinks there's something wrong with them and the next thing she stops feeding the child with mother's milk because she thinks there's something wrong with her milk because the baby's crying Mm. But it's because this baby... So, you know, he's just eaten this sloppy breakfast cereal or supper cereal, whatever you want to call it. They don't have a way to digest it. In rural communities, people don't have blenders and they don't buy things in boxes. So, they will chew the rice in their mouth first and pass now their enzymes digested in it. They will then pass it to the baby's mouth Hmm. and then the food is actually pre-digested by the mother. And well, the father can do the same thing, so it's an opportunity father. If you look at a tiny baby, ever, have you ever gone up to a tiny baby and tried to put your mouth out to kiss it near its mouth? It opens its mouth. Have you seen a mm. tiny baby? It puts, opens their mouth. They go, they open their mouth wide and you think, oh, my word, they're only three or six months or nine months old and they were no, they're wanting to French kiss me already. Mm. And they're not, It's a natural mm. reflex for a baby to open their mouth when you put your mouth near because when you put your mouth near, it's a reflex is to take food from your mouth. And that's because mothers should chew the food. Now, if you're not going to chew the food, only give them fresh fruit until they can chew. When can a baby chew? <clears throat> Usually when it has a mouthful of teeth. And that includes the back teeth. Somewhere around 18 months to 2 years. Every now and again, you get one of these kids that's got a mouthful of teeth at a year. But if they can chew, they can secrete that digestive enzyme. If you don't want to chew the food and you want to give your baby starches before they actually are old enough to chew, then you need to take a digestive enzyme and AIM makes a fantastic one called Prepsymes. Empty the capsule into the food, mash it with the potatoes and you've got to feed it to the baby quite quickly because it turns into a liquid quite quickly. It actually digests the food. And in that capsule are the digestive enzymes that the baby would make if they could chew. Seems like a long-winded thing. It's easier to just give the child fresh fruit because it's complicated. And it's and you'll find that people eat a lot of fresh fruit, kind of avoid starches and grains, because they're getting enough glucose from the fruit. Very often if somebody's eating both the fresh fruit and the grains, they may find they start to put on weight. So for me, I'd rather eat the fresh fruit, because there's a lot more antioxidants, antioxidants, the fibres intact, and it tastes, I'd rather have a mango than a bowl of rice. But sometimes I feel like the rice, and then I'll eat it. It's not that I don't ever eat it, but I'll make sure I'll try my best to remember to chew it really well. So remember, chew starches really well because the enzyme needs to be released, released in your saliva to start the breaking down process of the carbohydrate. Otherwise, it's not going to be absorbed, you won't benefit from it, and it just causes gas and discomfort. Okay? Now, there's no actual enzyme in your saliva that breaks down protein at all. The only thing you need in your mouth is to chew proteins really well. So whether it's chicken, fish or meat, which is difficult to digest as we discussed on the podcast on protein, which you can go back and listen to if you need, cooked protein is difficult to digest because it coagulates and can't dissolve in water anymore. But raw protein also needs to be chewed well, like nuts and seeds. You can't just swallow nuts whole or semi-whole, and often that can happen. Next thing you're breathing a piece of nut into your lungs and you're choking on something, And I choke really easily, but part of the problem is that I can be eating fast and talking at the same time and that's a recipe for choking, okay? So chew slowly and don't talk. So with protein you need the mechanical digestion takes place in the mouth, okay? Mechanical digestion takes place in the mouth. Now the food goes down into your stomach. And in your stomach, there are no enzymes that your body secretes to digest starches. Okay? So starch-digesting enzymes are released in your mouth, but there's none in your stomach. In your stomach, you have protein-digesting enzymes that are released in your stomach. And they have a name. It's basically hydrochloric acid is released and it activates an enzyme called pepsin. And pepsin is what starts the process of breaking down the long chains of amino acids, which is pig protein or cow protein or snake protein, depends on which country you live in. And it starts to break it apart. If you're eating nut protein or legume protein or proteins from any plant source, the proteins are basically broken down. And so that's one of the reasons why when you go onto a vegan diet where you're just eating plant food and no animal products whatsoever, you actually find that Digestion is pretty pretty easy for most people on a whole food plant based diet, because the food is basically, if you compare plant food to animal food, it's pre digested. The the molecules are already broken apart, so a whole process of digestion is not required. When we eat animal products, for example, we find we want to sleep after we've eaten them. You look at a lion in the wild after they've killed an animal; they want to just sleep because. Animal protein is very difficult to digest. It takes a lot of energy. Whereas if you go and have a meal with, with, it's got, you know, brown rice and some beans, or you have a fruit meal or a salad meal, usually you, unless you've overeaten completely, just a normal meal, you'll be able to get up from the meal. You'll probably be able to do a brisk walk and not have any digestive discomfort while you're doing it. And some people will be able to go and cycle and not even worry about it. But uh, the more concentrated the meal, the more difficult it is to digest the the, me- the food the more tired you're going to feel because digestion requires a lot of energy when it's a very concentrated food. So if you go and eat a salad or some fruit, you're not going to feel tired at all. Go and put a whole lot of potatoes with that and you might feel sleepy. Go and add a steak to that and you want to pass out completely. So the less animal products, the less concentrated foods you eat, the more energy you are likely to have. So it's important to remember that, okay? So now we've dealt with the mouth and we've dealt with the stomach. Of course, you're, you're, um, you've got your esophagus. The food goes down the esophagus, which is the pipe. Now, there's no process of digestion taken there, but you must make sure that you've chewed your food properly or you will choke. Then here's your stomach. Now, in the stomach, the interesting thing happens, okay? When you are chewing carbohydrates... The starch-digesting enzyme has broken it down and it's going into your stomach. That's fine. Now that starch-digesting enzyme that came from your saliva is still working on the starches in your stomach. So if you eat a potato, you're chewing it, and you secrete that starch-digesting enzyme. And then what happens, it goes into your stomach and that enzyme keeps acting on that potato, keeps breaking it down, and then it gets into the little duodenum, which is like a sort of fatted little half-moon tube, semi-stomach, just underneath the stomach, and what happens there you have more digestive enzymes, more Tylen, or salivary not salivary, um, more starch digesting enzyme are secreted in the Tylen to take it from a polysaccharide, which is lots of molecules, the stomach will take it to a disaccharide, which is two, and then in your duodenum it will break it into monosaccharides, and that's when you can absorb it properly, okay? And that's fine. Problem comes when you eat proteins and starches at the same time. Because starch digestion requires that the pH in your stomach doesn't drop below about four. pH of four is still acid in your stomach, but it is less acid than where protein digestion is required. To activate that protein digestion enzyme called pepsin, you've got to, the stomach's got to get to a place of between two and three. Now if you look at a pH scale, measuring how acid things are. It goes from 0, well I'm looking from your side, so 0 would be here, 7 in the middle is neutral, this is very acidic, 1, 7 in the middle is neutral, and 14 on the other side has very alkaline. So if you take from 1 you go up, between 2 and 3, that's where protein digests best. From 4 and above is where starches carry on digesting from the, sal- the salivary enzyme from your mouth. Okay. It's more alkaline. It's, it's less acid. Don't no. say more alkaline because it's still acidic, it's but acidic. it is less acid. Four is less acid than a pH of two to three. And people make the mistake of saying that your stomach needs an alkaline environment to digest starches. That's not true at all. It's less acid, okay? So what happens is you eat um, chicken and chips together or chicken and rice, fish and, fish and chips, whatever mm. it is. You've got animal protein and a starch at the same meal at the same time start digesting the starches in the mouth gets to the stomach now the stomach recognizes that there's concentrated protein there protein that's 15 percent or more and that's most nuts and seeds most animal products you'll start to secrete hydrochloric acid to bring the hydrochloric acid as a pH of one it's very acidic and it brings the overall stomach acid down to about two or three at that point The enzyme that digests protein gets activated and now starts to actually act on the protein and break it down. But now what's happened to the stomach pH? Where is it now? It's 2 to 3. And it's Mm -hmm. lower than 4. And what do you think is going to happen to the potatoes and the rice and the bread or whatever else is in the stomach? Is it going to carry on digesting? It's going to stop digesting, okay? It's just going to stop digesting. Now you have partially digested starches in a warm, moist environment can't digest anymore what do you think is going to happen to it? it's going to rot it's going to start fermenting and when food ferments you get a couple of things formed you get gas that can be the smelly gas Mm. and it can be the painful gas you get gas you get alcohol but you're not talking about 5% alcohol like in wine or beer you're talking about neat alcohol in small quantities and you're talking about ammonia and acetic acid. It's actually four four things. Ammonia is a very powerful carcinogenic substance. You, you get it in when when meat rots, when flesh dies, you get ammonia being formed, for example. But ammonia is now formed in your stomach. And you've probably felt ammonia being formed when you 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 burp. And there's a sulfurish taste. It's almost like rotten eggs kind of taste. And that's what's happened is your food's not digesting properly. And that'll make your gas smell really, really bad, okay? So it's, it's a substance that causes cancer in the body, ammonia. And alcohol will form cancer in the stomach. But it's very concentrated. It's neat alcohol. And there's some instances where people will eat a meal like that with potatoes and, and, and meat. And they actually feel like they've been drinking something afterwards. There was a man, I remember when I was studying many years ago, there was an article in the paper that came out and it was so fascinating for me because this man, every time he ate he got drunk and they tested him in a laboratory. He didn't touch alcohol, he just ate and then he was drunk after the meal. He was so sensitive to the alcohol being made in his stomach that he actually got drunk on the alcohol. He was obviously producing more than the average person and he was very sensitive to it. But when you eat proteins with vegetables, your food doesn't ferment because... Vegetables digest; they digest basically in your mouth, and they don't really require much um, enzymatic digestion because they're really just the the nutrients are in in a form that's already broken apart. So, if you want to have a digestive tract that's healthy, never ever eat proteins and starches at the same meal. Now, all food does contain protein. Plant food contains protein. Potatoes have got protein, but it's like half a percent or one percent. It's tiny remember your stomach only secretes the ends the hydrochloric acid if it registers that there's 15% or more protein and if you just even if you eat an almond for example which is 25 20 to 25% protein if you had one or two almonds with a starch meal nothing's going to happen so if it was in a salad all chopped up mm-hmm. but it's when it's, it's concentrated when you're going to have half a cup of almonds and you've gone and eaten it with, with something wheat or you put it on top of your oats for example and you wonder why you get you know, people get gas and a lot of people said well stopped being a vegetarian because I couldn't handle the gas and it's usually because they were just mixing all kinds of foods together. Mm. Almonds, sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, a lot of nuts and seeds are very high in protein and you shouldn't really eat it with a starch. Mm. Small quantities you can manage it. Cooked protein's the worst and animal protein's the most difficult to digest, okay? When it comes to legumes like beans, for example, some people can get gas from that because not so much because it's high in protein, because the protein in in legumes is not that high once you've cooked it, because you've soaked it in water, so it's swelled up, and now you've cooked it. It's probably about four to seven or eight percent, so it's not over fifteen percent. It's not considered a concentrated protein. But one of the reasons we get gas from legumes, beans, and chickpeas or garbanzo beans, is because we most people don't secrete an enzyme to break down. A molecule of carbohydrate that comes in beans it's a it's a it's a triple molecule it's three molecules it's called a trisaccharide it's not a very common form but it's in the legumes if you eat some legumes on a daily basis even if it's a couple of chickpeas was also known as garbanzo beans or it's um, you've had a bean dip or something you don't have to eat huge quantities but if you eat beans every day your digestive tract starts to make the enzyme that you need to digest the legumes so whether it's pea soup today and hummus tomorrow and beans the next day, just a little bit of beans in your diet. The fiber in, di- in, in the legumes is exceptionally good for, for developing a healthy digestive tract. So it's very important to know that legumes are, are very healthy. People kind of avoid them because they say, oh no, I get gas from them. But if you eat them on a regular basis, you'll make mm. the enzyme that digests them. So, because it's plant protein and it's not that concentrated, most people can eat legumes with proteins or with starches, funnily enough. Some people still struggle a little bit with it, so you've just got to, depends on how much you eat, and it's very easy to overeat on beans, because it's usually in like a sauce and it's delicious and Mm -hmm. you just can't get enough of it. So, just chew well and don't eat too much, and most people, within five days to two weeks maximum, will be digesting their, their legumes really well, Okay. So yeah, we said go into the, the duodenum, the more digestive enzyme released in the semi-stomach intestinal portion that completes the process of digesting starches, fats and proteins, okay? Absorption in nutrients now start. This is where you start absorbing your nutrients. Now, if you haven't chewed properly and you've mixed proteins and starches, do they get the, you're going to have a mess in the duodenum. So you're going to get malnourished, which means you're going to be hungry all the time. You're just going to be hungry, 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 hungry. People that mix proteins and starches want to eat proteins and starches at every meal because it makes them feel full and they think they've eaten enough. But their food's not breaking down, so they're actually malnourished. You could actually starve to death doing that. You're just not getting enough nutrients. So people start taking vitamin supplements, which is the worst thing for uh, for the digestive tract. Vitamin C in a supplement form is the safest supplement today, and it can cause to take it can cause inflammation, which is the last thing you need in your digestive tract. Stomach ulcers. It can cause kidney stones, gout, arthritis, and osteoporosis. But in the digestive tract, you can get inflammation and stomach ulcers just from taking vitamin C on a daily basis. So, if you're going to take an extra supplement, it's always better to take a juice. If you're ever helping anybody and they're on supplements, particularly any supplements, will slow down the function of the digestive tract. Because, take for example. Our recommended daily allowance is somewhere between 50 and 160 milligrams of vitamin C a day. How many do most people take in a supplement form? What do most people, if you think of somebody's taking a supplement, have you seen vitamin C in a health shop, how many milligrams are you usually in that bottle? 500 or 1,000. Exactly, 500 or 1,000 milligrams, okay. So now, you've got 500 or 1,000 milligrams, way too much, but it's in a form that you can't use anyway. You can use, if you're lucky five to 10 percent. So take five to 10 percent. let's just take five to 10 percent of a thousand. It's easy to work out. That's 50 to 100 milligrams. That's your recommended daily allowance. But what about the rest of the vitamin C there? Mm-hmm. It's now caused inflammation, could cause a stomach ulcer. When you're eating an orange or pineapple or tomatoes, things that are very high in vitamin C, your tongue will tell you to stop eating them when you've had too much vitamin C. What does your tongue do when you've had too much vitamin C? Oh, so do your stomach, your like tongue gets sore. It's yeah. like you've taken sandpaper and actually sandpapered especially your tongue, pineapple. or grated it. Yeah, especially pineapple. Okay. So your your body has a mechanism to tell you stop the vitamin C. So you've like you've had enough, stop. But if you're taking it in supplement form, your tongue doesn't have the opportunity to to tell you you've had enough. It goes straight into the stomach, and now instead of causing inflammation on your tongue which is your first warning sign, it starts to cause inflammation in the stomach. Now, if you've got irritable bowel syndrome or Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, or any of these things, vitamin supplements in tablet form is the worst thing to do. Take freshly extracted juices, green juices, and your best green juice is barley grass juice, then wheat grass juice, but people go and put spirulina in there and spirulina is good. It's like the worst thing you can put into your body from a supplement point of view. Everybody's putting it in because oh, it's high in protein, it's got chlorophyll in it, and it's this. But think about where spirulina grows, firstly. Where does it grow? Spirulina. What is spirulina? It's from the ocean. Isn't it? it grows in anywhere there's water. It's not seaweed, no, it's mm. algae. algae. Oh. Now you go and look at the algae growing outside this little river outside mm. your little stream and the water stands still, there's algae growing in there. And when you go and look at where the algae is growing, it doesn't grow in flowing water. It only grows in stagnant water, water that's standing still. Mm -hmm. So what you find in all spirulina is fly larvae, rat droppings, um, bird parts, animal and insect body parts. And you also find things in it called cyanotoxins, which are toxic to the cells, hepatoxin that are toxic to um, the liver, and there's a third one. I'll think of it in, in a little while. Uh, hepatoxin, cyanotoxin, and... Could be a neurotoxin, toxic to the nerves. I'm not sure on that one, but definitely the hepatoxin and the... And the, um, um, the one that's... What did I say? Cyanotoxin, no? Hepatoxin. I'm mumbling now. Sorry. My mind's just gone blank. I'm like, oh, I should remember all of this stuff. Anyway, cyanotoxin, yes, that is your central nervous system, if I'm not mistaken. No, cyanotoxins are cells. Hepatoxins is the liver. Okay. So, um, spiruline is one of the worst things to put into your, to your body from a health point of view, in my opinion. Not only has it got all these body parts from insects and birds and rat droppings and bird poop and everything else but it's got things that are toxic to your cells and your liver and your body so it's not a smart thing to do but they put it in because it's cheap you can, get, you can get algae from anywhere you can get it from the sea, it grows in rivers, it grows in lakes it grows around the corner, it grows in the bottom of your garden in your fish tank, I mean in your, um, in your fish pond or mm-hmm. your duck pond, if you've got a little pond at the bottom of your garden you'll go and see the algae growing in there, that's what spirulina is People are not going to tell you it's algae. Some people, they sell blue-green algae, but they'll say spirulina because it sounds better. It's like, we eat pork, we don't eat pigs, we eat pork. We don't eat cows, we eat beef. People people want to give it another name because it sounds better, okay? Uh, it's like they'll tell you you need heme iron and not not iron from fruit and vegetables. And then you say, what's heme iron? No, it's only found in animals, but what heme means, it's from blood. So you need iron from blood. People are going to say, you need to actually drink blood to get iron, which is nonsense. It's just another way of the meat industry trying to get us to drink a lot more or consume a lot more animal product, okay? So to get on with the digestive tract, okay? Now we have the small intestine, which ab- continues to absorb many of the B vitamins that you've actually been been made by the friendly bacteria, okay? We make we make most of the B vitamins can be made from uh, I think it's B1, B3, B6 and B12 are made in your digestive tract, okay? So, it can be made in the duodenum to a certain extent, in the small intestine and in the large intestine. And it gets absorbed from the duodenum, the small intestine, and the large intestine. Most of the absorption takes place in the small intestine, but a lot takes place in the large intestine. Because if you have anything in your body that doesn't have any fiber in it, like animal products or processed foods, the food's going to sit in your large intestine much longer than it should. It should stay there for about 24 hours. And what happens with most people is, it's sometimes in the digestive tract for 72 or 172 hours I've known people who have no bowel movement for two weeks can you know how full of you know what they are <laughs> I mean really two weeks is an awful long time okay yeah. so um, more nutrients are absorbed in the large intestine and a lot of water used in the process of digestion is absorbed at this time so any water that's in the digestive tract is now taken out and if it's not if there's Your stomach's trying to get rid of something in a hurry. It keeps the water there, and then just... That's when you get an upset stomach and a runny stomach. You'll get diarrhea. Your body's kept the water there, and it just says, get this out of here. There's too much of something in here. I'm not coping very well. Get it out. Could be anything from parasites to spirulina, which could do it, or toxic substances, okay? Um, You are constipated if your stools, which is your fecal material, is thicker than your forefinger. Have a look at your forefinger. If your stools are thicker than that, you're constipated. We tend to think we're constipated because we haven't been to the toilet for a day. If it's thicker than that, you're constipated. So if it's thicker than your forefinger, it means you're straining, which means that it's tearing. You're tearing the walls of of the anus and in the large intestine, and tearing causes... If, if it's continually happening several times a day even once a day tearing your body can't repair itself fast enough so you get damaged cells I and mean, when damaged cells reproduce basically what you've got is cancer the number one form of cancer in today's society is colorectal cancer so it's a good thing to try and eat as much natural whole foods reduce animal products remove them if you can in the long term so that your digestive tract actually empties itself every 12 to 24 hours. That's what you need it to do. Food shouldn't be hanging around there longer than that. Alright, so if you're basically following the digestive advice that I'm giving you, those five steps I gave you in the beginning, plus not mixing proteins and starches, most digestive problems will be sorted out, okay? And whether it's appendicitis, you don't get appendicitis in in vegans that follow a whole food plant-based diet. But appendicitis just means inflammation of the appendix. And I'll never forget reading by Dr. William Howard Hay. He said that he found that he lost several patients on the operating table with appendicitis. But if he packed the area with ice, where the appendix was in pain and your lower abdomen, and he gave them no food, just water, and put them to bed, they all recovered and survived and were in peak health. You get appendicitis from inflammation, okay? You've got to say, what causes inflammation? Dairy products contain arachidonic acid, Animal flesh contains arachidonic acid. Eggs contain it. What does that do? Arachidonic acid causes inflammation. Inflammation can cause just to get red and inflamed. That's what it means. And that can cause pain, but you can actually have bleeding after a while. If you have this continual inflammation, you start to get a wound and now you get ulceration. And then you get diseases like ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, which they'll tell you there's no cure, and they'll keep just removing parts. They'll give you steroid drugs, and then they'll keep removing parts of your intestine or your colon, depending on where the the colitis problem is, which is colitis just means inflammation, okay? Mm. You've got to take animal products out of your diet if you've got a problem like that. And I have never seen anybody get well naturally and stay well unless they go on a completely whole food, plant-based diet. It's fresh fruits, vegetables, grains, legumes, nuts, seeds, avocados, that kind of thing. If you don't want to do that, you're probably going to end up having parts of your colon removed. You're probably going to end up with colorectal cancer, the number one form of cancer. And in South Africa and in the westernized world today, one out of two men will get cancer, one out of three women will get cancer. And the most common form of that cancer is colorectal cancer. I'm always amazed when people say, oh, diet's got nothing to do with getting cancer. Well how come colorectal cancer is the most common form of cancer? And if diet has nothing to do with any disease then just stop eating. We don't eat just to get energy, you eat for your body to function fully and optimally. We need enzymes, we need phytonutrients, we need antioxidants, they all help your body work properly. So it's very important to make sure that you're eating a whole food plant-based diet. I'd say it's the key to most digestive problems. The problem comes when you're eating a whole food plant-based diet and you're just mixing all kinds of foods together at the same time and overeating, it's still going to cause digestive problems, it's just not as bad probably as a processed or animal-based diet, okay? So the food combining is very important with things like bloating, flatulence, irritable bowel syndrome, also known as by IBS. Or spastic colon, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, diverticulitis. Anything with an itis, remember, just means inflammation, okay? Mm-hmm. It's just inflammation. And things that cause inflammation come from animals or they process foods. The other things that will cause inflammation is gluten. And even in a whole wheat bread, gluten can cause inflammation. And part of the problem with gluten is we've eaten it in such high quantities and so much in a day that it's—we've our bodies have now produced these antibodies because it's 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 been hybridized. Gluten is the protein and they've developed grains to be higher in protein to try and increase our protein intake and it's a foreign thing. Your body's not used to it. It mm-hmm. wants lower levels of protein. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of it that a, a human baby doubles in birth weight in its first six months and it's consuming somewhere around 1.6% protein from its mother. That's 1.6 grams per 100 grams and it's doubling in its birth weight. And then we obsess about having like, you know, at least 15% protein. We never, You never again grow that size. Imagine if you doubled in size and weight in six months. You'd be a monster by the time you were an adult. And yet we do that on only 1.6% protein. It's quite phenomenal, isn't it? All right. There's lots of these different um, symptoms. As I said, diverticulitis, irritable bowel syndrome. And I'm not going to go into all the symptoms that you have people either know they've got the condition if you're not sure go online and do the research what's irritable bowel syndrome it's in there it is in this uh, my book on the digestive system which i'm busy developing now and hopefully it'll be out soon But let's take a look at most digestive problems like irritable bowel syndrome, which causes diarrhea, constipation, pain, bloating, flatulence. That's the most uncomfortable thing, okay? And this can be caused by several things. Eating too fast, which I've spoken about already. You're not going to digest your food efficiently. You can't absorb the nutrients efficiently. Eating too much. You only have enzymes to digest certain amounts of foods in a day. You've only got so much fat-digesting enzyme that you produce on a daily basis to produce fat. So when you eat too much fat, you can't digest your food. Mm. So it's not a good idea to smother everything in olive oil. Olive oil is great, but don't smother everything. Mm. A little bit of olive oil here and there is a touch or a bit of flavor. But drowning your potato in olive oil, you could end up with your food repeating on you all night long, okay? Eating under stress. Mm. Best thing to do when you're under stress is not eat. But a lot of people eat as a response to stress, they're just they're feeling unhappy, they're not comfortable and they just start eating, 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 eating. Lactose intolerance can cause excessive gas and lactose is the sugar in cow's milk. What causes inflammation in cow's milk is the protein which is these 25 different protein fractions and they can cause anything, any inflammatory response from allergic rhinitis to otitis media, inflammation in the ears. But the lactase is what causes a gas in the stomach. Um, You need, sorry, lactose. Lactase is the enzyme needed to digest cow's milk, but we don't produce this. We produce lactase to digest lactose in mother's milk, but the lactose in mother's milk and cow's milk is very different, okay? One's for humans and the other one's for cows. So we don't um, produce that enzyme once we're adults. And even when we're children, we don't produce the enzyme to digest the lactose from a cow. Did you ever see that movie French Kiss with um, Meg Ryan in it? No. Uh, it's a cute movie going back a couple of decades. And in it, she's catching a train to, into the French countryside with, I'm trying to think of that actor's name, Anyway, he's growing, he's going to find his grandfather's farm and grow some vine over there. And anyway, they're on the train and they're just chatting along and he orders a plate, um, a, a cheese platter. And so she's just eating with him because she, you know, big Ryan just chatters along and she's chatting and she's eating us. And in the next minute, you actually see her writhing in pain on the train. And she's groaning and moaning and he's like, what's going on? What's going on? Do you need to go to the hospital? And she's like, no, lactose intolerance, lactose intolerance. The first time I actually saw somebody saying something about lactose intolerance in a movie, which was quite <laughs> funny. But um, she shouldn't have eaten the cheese, and she did. But most people have can have a problem with lactose intolerance, and as I said, that's when you'll get the that's when you'll get the um, um, you'll get the gas forming, and a lot of it, and it'll be very painful. Okay. Right, consumption of legumes I explained that earlier on If you're not used to eating beans and chickpeas And and that family of legumes You're not producing the enzyme To digest the natural um, carbohydrates that are in it So eat a little bit every day Just a little spoon Like a tablespoon Mm. or a dessert spoon of legumes Every day Have a little bit of hummus for example And then your body gets used to it And starts to produce it Um, The next thing is changing to your diet if you change from a normal processed diet that's high protein and processed foods and you now suddenly start eating a whole lot of fruit and vegetables you can find your are like such a digestive cleanse that all this old fecal matter and we usually have about between one and ten kilograms of old fecal matter in our digestive tract if we've been on a westernized diet all that old fecal matter starts getting cleaned out and can form a terrible plug and the plug can cause constipation And then you can have a bit of diarrhea and then constipation and diarrhea and people are like, oh, I'm eating all this healthy food and now my digestive tract is freaking out. And that's one of the reasons why I encourage people to go on the 100 days to health rather than just do this dramatic change. Because you're slowly adding more plant food every day, every week that you're going. It's 14 weeks basically. that you're just adding a little bit more raw fruit and vegetables, a little bit more every week after week after week. So it's a gradual change as opposed to like literally flicking a switch and and eating a huge amount of fruit and vegetables and now your digestive tracts. just not used to eating natural whole foods. It's so damaged and then you can actually find that you end up with diarrhea or flatulence or bloating just by changing your diet. Any substances that are in themselves fermented can cause gas such as alcohol cheese, which is a a, a fermented food, pickles and fermented foods. Now, some people get gas from fermented foods like sauerkraut or fermented cabbage or fermented vegetables, and some people actually have no digestive problems with it. You've got to see how comfortable your digestive tract is. But alcohol can cause it. Carbonated drinks can contribute to digestive gas problems in some people. So, for example, if I was to drink a sparkling, even a sparkling natural grape juice straight after a meal, my stomach just comes to a grinding halt and won't digest any of the food. It's like just too much in there. And, and I, th- you know, I don't know whether it's to do with the fact that when I was a child, I drank a bottle of paraffin because it was in a, a cold drink bottle and I was, a, I was just a little toddler. I was 14 months just walking and this bottle was on the farm and it had paraffin in it from one of the farm workers and I, dr- I drank that and paraffin in the United States is called kerosene. And the other thing that happened to me uh, about six months before that, I had a condition called impetigo, which is an infectious disease of the skin, but it went down my digestive tract. So it's like my digestive tract is not my most comfortable part of my body. I have to eat more carefully than most people and eat, chew carefully and eat less, and I don't always do that. So sometimes I eat too fast, I eat in a hurry, I eat too much, and then I feel it straight away. Some people can do that and feel nothing. I don't. My digestive tract is very, very sensitive. So, carbonated drinks can contribute to gas problems. Eating foods that contain mustard oil can also contribute to gas um, gas problems. Number one on the list is garlic, onions, um, spring onions, leeks. They contain less. So, I always say we should, if you're going to eat it, cook it well and rather use leeks and spring onions because you don't have that overwhelming amount of mustard oil in it, okay? Mm-hmm. Mustard seeds contain it. The mustard that you use as a condiment can contain it. But little bits if you use it usually doesn't do anything. Mm. And some people can get it from eating too much cabbage or eating cabbage. But that, again, is a digestive tract that's not used to eating natural whole foods. Once you start to eat cabbage on a regular basis, you might be fine. But sometimes you'll find you still get gas. I can get gas from cabbage. But I love cabbage, chickpea, and avocado salad. I love that salad. And I'm not prepared to give it up. I can get gas, but the the thing about it is I said it's just gas, there's no bad smelling gas, there's no digestive problems, it's just a bit of gas that you get from eating. Probably because I eat too much of it as well because it is a delicious salad. So there's not all necessarily bad
1: things to be
0: consuming? No, they're not necessarily all bad things. You can eat them, and if they cause no digestive problems with you, but you may find some people are eating very well. You can't figure out what's wrong with them. If you take the garlic and onions out, the whole digestive system starts to work properly. Mm -hmm. If they don't want to stop garlic and onions, you've got to make sure they have intestinal flora on a daily basis. And the best intestinal flora, in my opinion, is the flora food from Aim. Because it's actually made from the bacteria in a newborn baby's digestive tract. And people go all like, "Yeah, from a baby, like all freaked out. But what's worse, putting bacteria from a cow in you or bacteria that's in a newborn baby? And all they've done is they've, they've, they've taken that and they've cultured it. So they took it 30 years ago and they've cultured it and it's still bacteria from a... So it's human bacteria cultured in a laboratory. We're, we're not cows. We're not supposed to have cow bacteria in us. I want I don't want bacteria from rotten milk like yogurt I want bacteria that should be in my digestive tract mm. and Flora Food is one of the reasons we see the best results when people take that product because it is from a human being and not from another animal or you know just from fermented plants for example And what is the other one that you mentioned the digestive enzyme Prepzymes, Prepzymes is the digestive enzymes, that's the enzymes we need to digest food. Okay. Flora food's the friendly bacteria, so one's friendly bacteria one's digestive enzymes. They're two fantastic products and they really do help. People that have had pancreatitis for example don't secrete enough digestive enzymes once they've had it, so they need to take digestive enzymes with every meal to make sure that they're comfortable. Alright, and I've spoken about incorrect food combining and then insufficient digestive enzyme production like people who've had um, sometimes people have had part of their duodenum removed because they've had a duodenal ulcer and then they're not producing enough digestive enzymes as well Um, Wheat or gluten intolerance that can cause terrible digestive problems so those foods, again, you have got a natural food even if it's whole wheat and whole grains can cause problems with people And then I mentioned vitamin supplements. Vitamin supplements in concentrated forms can cause tremendous digestive problems. So I would remove all the offending foods and then introduce one at a time to see how you react. So if, for example, you take onion and garlic out and your stomach improves, leave it out for a while and then introduce a little bit. Or take all of them out, the dairy out, the garlic, the onion, all of these things out. And then say, okay, let me put the natural plant ones back. I'm okay with cabbage, I'm okay with chickpeas. I'm not okay with garlic. So you've got to see what, what you're comfortable with mm-hmm. yeah. because everybody's digestive tract. You know, we respond to stress differently as well. Some people internalize their stress. It goes straight to the digestive tract. Some people stress and they don't feel anything. It's like water off a duck's back. They can eat anything. They sleep. They don't have a problem. Okay, are yeah, other digestive-related um, problems like gallstones, for example, piles or hemorrhoids. Ulcerative colitis, colitis or irritable bowel syndrome, and that's what I've spoken about. Stomach ulcers as well. I mean, uh, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of medication you can take. I haven't seen anybody get well on medication with digestive problems, ever. Ultimately, the best way to deal with your stomach, if you've got any one of these diseases, is to actually book yourself into a fasting retreat. And there's one just outside Johannesburg called Hochland Hydro, where there's a medical doctor, Dr. Andre Kruger. There's one in... Um, America that I would recommend called True North Fasting planet. Dr. Alan Goldhammer, I think is the guy that heads up that. Um, There are several others. There are other doctors who write about it and it's a good idea to get into the habit of trying to rest your digestive tract one day a week. Just rest it because we get into a habit of like overeating. If you rest it, it just kind of resets your digestive tract. If you fast one day a week, you're less likely to get digestive problems. If you don't fast one day a week, Nothing may happen, but suddenly, six months later, you find your digestive tract getting sluggish. We just don't eat for a day. We panic. We think we're going to die if we don't eat. Mm -hmm. But when you've got something like a stomach ulcer, think of this. If you had a cut on your finger and you kept hammering it with a hammer, would it get better? No. No, it wouldn't, okay? So, same with your stomach. If you've got a cut in your stomach, a oozing, separating cut that could be bleeding... Or may not be bleeding but it's open it's an open wound and you keep eating and making your stomach work will this ulcer get better mm-hmm. no it won't so best thing you can do is rest it drink water and go to bed for anything from 24 hours to 72 hours or even longer depending on what your body says people can fast I've known people to fast for up to 40 days but more than three to five days I recommend you do in a fasting retreat and not on your own because unless you've really studied it and if you've done our natural health and nutrition course, you would have studied fasting in great detail. And one of the assignments is actually to fast for a period of time and to write down all your findings. So unless you've actually studied it and you know what you're doing, I don't recommend fasting for more than three to five days maximum. And even more than three days is a bit pushing it a bit much. Unless you, as I say, have done it before, we you know what you're doing. Okay? And that would be just water. Just, just water. water. At the most, if you're really finding your blood sugars dropping a bit low, then I recommend you drink barley grass juice and the barley life's the best one out of those. And just drink your barley grass juice and water and rest and sleep. If your mouth starts to taste awful, you could have a bit of water with a slice of lemon in it, but you mustn't eat the lemon. It's very tempting for some people (laughs) when they fast, like, oh, food, let me eat the lemon. Yeah, there's an interesting interesting quote here from The Principles of Anatomy and Physiology by Tortura and Gradowski It's a recognized medical book. It says that the cause of peptic ulcer disease, PUD, is often the over-secretion of hydrochloric acid by parietal cells. Drugs such as Tagamet and zanktac give relief because they diminish the secretion of hydrochloric acid. So they stop the body secreting hydrochloric acid. Are you treating the symptom or the cause? Mm-hmm. Hydrochloric acid doesn't cause the digestive tract. What's making you over-secreted? Something else is making you over secrete Very often it's just stress, okay? Mm. So it says, before the late 1970s, many peptic ulcer disease patients were treated by cutting the vagus nerve to the stomach so yeah. that you wouldn't, I mean, can you believe this? So you wouldn't secrete all this hydrochloric acid, but then you, you can't digest proteins because you don't have hydrochloric acid then they'd have to take it with artificially from outside. With the advent of hydrogen receptor blockers, which is Tagamet and Zantac, you must have heard of Tagamet and Zantac, they're drugs everybody takes for the digestive problems. The need for the surgery decreased. The first H2 blocker on the market was Tagamet, which was the most frequently prescribed drug in the world. I mean, if you treat your digestive tract properly, you're not going to need any of this stuff. The most common problem people have is two things, headaches and stomach problems. That's right at the top of the list. That's where the first sign that something's not right in your body is that you keep getting headaches or you keep having sore stomach or your stomach digestive tract doesn't work properly. It's just your body saying, please help me, you're not treating me with the respect I deserve. Treat me the way I was designed to be treated It's like you've got a car And you keep putting the wrong fuel in it And you refuse to service it Which would be the equivalent of fasting And you don't treat it properly And you don't get it serviced And you don't change the tires And tires wear out And now you hear strange noises And one day your car just packs up And you think Stupid car And you kick it And you walk it and walk away It's like saying the same to your body Stupid body Or some people say "Ah, What is God trying to do to me Why is he doing this to me But it's actually us doing it to our own bodies. And then we want to blame God. He's the one that made the body, designed it. He's the designer behind this incredible body. And then we treat it with the utmost disrespect and then we get mad with him. But it doesn't make any sense. It's like getting mad with the designer of a a flashy sports car because you just didn't bother looking after it, or any car for that matter. You can have a little VW or Toyota and not look after it. It's going to pack up. You've got to look after a car, but you need to look after your body even better. So, as I said to you, an ulcer is a crater like lesion in a membrane occurring mostly in the stomach area. There's a stomach ulcer and there's a duodenum ulcer, okay? And mostly it's to treat it with drugs. Cutting nerves. Can you believe this is what they used to do? Just cut the vagus nerve. I mean, honestly, you've got problems for life. I just, I just, I beg people listening to this podcast, please go and sort your diet out before you go for surgery. Before you take medication, not after you've had the body parts removed, after you've taken the drugs and they've caused all but kinds all of terrible problems. All surgery is do to your body. Pardon? All surgery. All That's surgery actually, is a really very... It's a last very resort. Actually. I'll tell you when you need surgery. When you've been in a car accident, your leg has been ripped off or there's a big gash on you. You've got to go into surgery and get stitched mm-hmm. back up. I don't have a problem with that. But going and scraping your sinuses because you're drinking cow's milk or eating yogurt every day, and that's what's causing your mucus, does it make any sense whatsoever? It doesn't make any sense. It's like human beings have actually lost their ability to reason properly. It's bizarre. Your body's designed to repair itself. If you have an ulcer and you rest your stomach, your body will repair it. It really will. Okay, so the basic program... To get your digestive tract back on track as well. Besides the ones I've given earlier on with inflammation, when you're dealing with a, a, especially with an ulcer, is exclude all protein because you've got to stop your stomach secreting hydrochloric acid. And you only secrete hydrochloric acid in direct proportion to the amount of protein in your stomach. So hydrochloric acid, it's very acidic. It's worse than lemon juice. Take lemon juice and squeeze it on a cut on your finger. What's going to happen? you'll be in terrible pain okay Mm. now take hydrochloric acid and secrete it in your stomach and you've got an open wound in the stomach you're going to be in unbelievable pain you're going to be writhing on the bed so the last thing you should eat is any protein and I recommend that people take protein out of their diet completely for at least two weeks and in that time they try to do a little bit of a, a fast at least okay so exclude all protein and all acid fruit acid fruit are things like oranges pineapple Um, strawberries for example and the reason for that is anything like lemon juice or oranges is acidic in the stomach it's not acidic in your bloodstream but you've got an open wound in your stomach so why would you go not put lemon juice on the cut on your finger but now you go and put it in your stomach it's still acidic in your stomach even though it's alkaline in your bloodstream okay so no acid fruit and then I do recommend that a 3 to 7 day fasting period to just rest the stomach so that it can repair the wounds that are in the digestive tract and this is the same thing I recommend for things like Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis. Really, any digestive pro- product problem is rest the stomach, okay? And then, you, once you've gone through the fasting period, you've got to go on to only a raw food diet. It's, it's a process that you've got to manage really well. So if you fasted for seven days, make sure you're on raw food for seven days before. Fast for seven days, raw food for seven days afterwards. And don't eat any salt, otherwise you'll go on a mad eating frenzy okay and then you slowly introduce some steamed vegetables maybe a baked potato a couple of days down the line but you've got to literally introduce foods into your diet very very slowly and carefully all right then you need to follow the five basic steps that i've given you at the beginning um and things like tea coffee cigarettes and alcohol are not things that you should be having in your digestive or in your body using it because it puts tremendous stress on your body and stress makes your stomach not work properly. Mm. You've got parietal cells in your stomach that secrete hydrochloric acid. They're part of the hormonal system. When you get stressed, your hormonal system doesn't work properly Mm. because the the pituitary gland which manages the entire central nervous system is, is wrapped around the hypothalamus which is the managing director of the hormonal system. So anything that stresses is going to affect the managing director of the hormonal system. So that's the reason I say be very careful the way you eat when you're stressed. What do most people do when you're stressed? We want more coffee, more chocolates, more tea, mm-hmm. more junk food because we're stressed. Now, we're working so hard and we're up so late, so we're eating rubbish. Time to eat your best is when you're stressed. If you want to break the rules a bit and relax, do it when you're on holiday. That's when you want to go and eat an ice cream on the beach and you think, I should be okay. And you probably will. Mm-hmm. But if you're working under stress and you decide you're going to go and eat an ice cream, you could get come down with terrible flu and you think, can't be the ice cream because I ate it on holiday it did nothing to me but the combination of stress and putting something bad into your body is like a triple whammy okay mm-hmm. I'm not saying go out and eat an ice cream well you can if it's made from coconut milk or almonds or cashew nuts <laughs> all right stress management very very important and the best way to manage your stress is Dale Carnegie says number one prayer what Andre Kruger says number one is exercise and from my point of view, I'd say have prayer, pray and exercise, and eat a natural whole food plant-based diet. You've got to take control of your health when you're being stressed, not let go of it. When you let go of your stre- of your of your health, and you just eat anything when you're under stress, that's when you end up with some serious problems, okay? Mm. The back of the book Perfect Health, there is a food combining chart, and it tells you how to mix proteins and starches and different fruits and stuff, so you can follow that. Um And then, basically, I recommend that you eat the foods that are on the 100 days to health. There's some great recipes there. They're all properly combined. Mm -hmm. There's great advice on there. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a starting place. If anybody's got a digestive problem, I would recommend that they start with the 100 days to health. Because too fast a change could cause problems for that. And I would recommend that they start immediately with food combining. Try and get gluten out and try and get dairy products out of the diet. And you probably find most digestive problems actually get sorted out. If they don't, then you go the whole food, plant based route and you go the fasting route. So it's a progression. You've got to see what works. Sometimes people just need to stop mixing pro- proteins and starches. My husband, Mark, lived on antacid medication for many, many years. Just, we always had indigestion. And when we started eating proteins with salad and vegetables and starches with salads and vegetables no problems whatsoever he never took antacid medication again I never had digestive problems I had terrible allergies and when I stopped mixing proteins and starches together I stopped getting all these incompletely digested proteins that cause leaky gut syndrome and as a result of that all my allergies disappeared so they just disappeared it was fantastic mm-hmm. so have you got any questions you'd like to ask no, I again. It's enough, I mean, enough to digest right now. Go yes. home and digest it. Yeah. And if you need to listen to this again, you can just listen to the podcast, which should get loaded up this evening. Um, <coughs> I was wondering why. I always ma- make myself a uh, um, smoothie. I'm just going to finish this off. Yeah, well, so one of the things you can do is eat simplified meals, one food at a time, mono meals. Just eat some papaya, just eat a potato, just eat the rice or just eat the tomatoes and leave some spaces of at least 15 minutes to even an hour in between. And then you can try and identify one particular food that causes a problem to your digestive tract. Mm-hmm. Um, but keep your meals, the simpler your meals, the easier they are to digest. It's nice to make a very nice sort of rich dish and, you put some interesting things in it. You pour over some cashew cream and you bake it in the oven, but you may find something repeats on you and you don't know what it is that's mm. doing it. And then once you identify it, even if you'll eat a soup and it might make you get indigestion and you don't mm. know what it is, take the ingredients. So if it had potatoes in, eat the potatoes on their own. Eat the carrots on their own. Eat the peas on their own. Just deconstruct it and try and find out what it is. Mm. That requires quite a bit of work. It's kind of easier to eat a lot of raw food, go plant-based, and don't mix proteins and starches. And usually you, de- you, you, honestly, you go that route and you fast on a regular basis, most digestive products, both digest- digestive problems get sorted out. There are some things that can help you, by the way. Things like herbal fiber blend are fantastic for getting your digestive tract sorted out. I'm going to show you what this looks like. Normally you would have a full glass and you'd have a a heaped teaspoon or two in there. I'm going to put a little bit more than a heaped teaspoon in here just to show you that it's mainly water-soluble fiber with herbs in it. And it does destroy a lot of parasites. I do recommend doing a parasite cleanse. You can do a bottle of herbal fiber blend. You could go through that um, one bottle every Six months, but the best way to get rid of parasites and really get your digestive tract working properly is para 90. Para 90 is a com- combination of very strong herbs that gets rid of a lot of different parasites. Parasites can cause terrible digestive problems, okay? They also cause problems in the liver and they could cause problems in the brain, but they cause tremendous problems in the digestive tract, including malabsorption of nutrients. So I recommend taking Herbal Fibre Blend for at least a month when you start out eating properly to get rid of a lot of the parasites, get rid of the old fecal matter, help your digestive tract empty on a regular basis. You've got to get your body into the habit of emptying itself regularly. And Mm. Herbal Fibre Blend helps. It's not a laxative because if you've got diarrhea, it stops the diarrhea. It just regulates your bowel. So it's like a first aid thing. Keep your Herbal Fibre Blend in your house as a first aid. Any tummy problems, food poisoning, digestive discomfort, indigestion, anything like that. I'm showing you this is kind of thick and it will stand here a little while you'll see it forms into a thick gel, almost like play-doh. Now you can't drink it when it's in that thick form, but if you have a full glass like this, it's like 350 to 500 milliliters of water and if you don't like the taste of herbal fiber blend, you can take it in capsule form or you can mix it with juice. I like it with grape juice. You drink it with grape juice, it's actually very, very pleasant. Mm. Actually kind of, oh this is not bad, it's actually quite nice. So I'm going to leave that there for a little while and then make it a not such a dip, not such a And then you need to drink an extra bottle, an extra glass of water with it. If you've got constipation, you drink two glasses of water. If you've got diarrhea, so you have it with a glass of water. If you've got constipation and an extra glass of water. If you've got diarrhea, you just have it in the water. If you want to try it, you're welcome to Get a glass of some water in and get some spoons there and you can try it uh, But then you wouldn't put that much in As I said, I'm just putting this in because I want it to set and show you what the water soluble fibre looks like But mm. you would just literally drink this like this mm. It's not unpleasant if you just drink it you know. but if you try and sip it and turn no. it into a cocktail no. It's, it's kind of a spicy, herby taste. The other things that can help, as I said, are the prepzymes, the, the, the flora food, the digestive enzymes. And aloe vera gel, drinking gel, can really help some people with inflammation in the digestive tract. Um, mm-hmm. So there are some products you can use that will benefit your digestive tract. Um, there's AM has another product called Fit and Fiber, which is can help. Mm-hmm. It's gentler than this, gentle than a herbal fiber brand. When I say gentler, it's just... Um, Herbal Fibre Blend works really quickly, um, the Fit and Fibre is really to help people who are overeating and want to feel full, so that they don't eat as much, so you would take that before a meal and eat it so you don't feel, so that you feel full quickly and you don't eat as much. And how far away from a meal do you take this? Herbal Fibre Blend you can take on an empty stomach first thing in the morning, last thing at night, which is when they advocate it, but honestly If you've eaten a meal and you've got indigestion or your tummy's feeling unsettled, take Herbal Fibre Blend. The other thing that helps your digestive tract as well is composure. It's another product makes. It's herbs, but they calm your stomach down. If your stomach is like whirling around and feeling unsettled and just like, it's feeling awful, you take composure. It just calms your stomach down. It calms down your stomach as well with stomach ulcers. It just calms the lining of the stomach down. It calms down the activity in the digestive tract. It really just calms your stomach down. And if you do these basic principles that are found in the 100 Days to Health, in the Perfect Health book, and the ones that I've mentioned on here, Mm -hmm. you do these basic principles, honestly, you're going to have a digestive tract that works properly. And every now and again, you'll overeat or overindulge or eat too fast, and then you'll be reminded, I need to give my stomach a break. Sometimes you'll wake up in the morning and you don't feel hungry at all. You don't want to eat. And you think, I must eat, I must eat, I must eat. But actually your body's saying, don't eat. Mm -hmm. Most important thing is to listen to your body. And most of us have forgotten how to do that. So if your body's saying, don't eat, don't eat. Mm -hmm. And you'll find if you do eat and your body told you not to eat, you'll probably get a sore stomach or you'll get a bit of flu-like symptoms. So it's important to listen to your body. And if I leave you with one last thought, listen to your body when it comes to your stomach. If you're not hungry, don't eat. If you're hungry, eat food that's digestively compatible. And that's basically what I've described in here. Mm -hmm.